Welcome to the official podcast for the Society of Urodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine, and Urogenital Reconstruction. Here you will find podcasts highlighting clinically relevant topics, ongoing SUFU initiatives, SUFU member highlights, and much, much more. Hi, welcome back to the SUFU podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Rena Malik, Assistant Professor of Urology at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. I'm here with Dr. Ayman Mahdi, who's the Interim Chief for the Division of Urology and Director of Voiding Dysfunction and Female Urology at the University of Cincinnati. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So I'd love if you could start by just telling SUFU members a little bit about your unique journey to where you are today. Oh, okay. So uh, I just want to start off saying, you know, I was impressed uh, with the way, like, listening to your podcast. I thought for a minute that you actually a, a podcast expert, but oh, now we're knowing so that you're an FMRS, that's really, that's wonderful. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's inspiring to all of us. Oh, thank you <laughs> so, so much. <laughs> no problem. So a little bit about my journey. So I was um, born and raised in Luxor. It's a small city in the southern part of Egypt. And that's where most of the ancient Egyptian uh, treasures are. And then I moved to med school and residency in a city called Asyut. It's 300 miles north of Luxor and was one of the oldest universities in, uh, in Egypt. Then I started my new journey. It's a different chapter in my life when I immigrated to the States back in 2005. And I started at uh, MUSC when I did uh, basic science research for two years, and that's how I obtained my doctorate degree. Then I moved to Cleveland Clinic, Florida for a, a fellowship in female reconstruction. Obviously, at that time in 2007, the FMRS was not a, an existing um, field. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to have a uh, great opportunity for training with Dr. Gamal Gunaim and also uh, Dr. Willie Davila from the urogynecology uh, section. Uh, he used to train his fellows also at the same time. So we had a nice exposure opportunity for the other side of, of experience from the OBGYN side. So that really helped me uh, with my uh, clinical skill development. Then I started my career as a faculty member at uh, UAMS. Uh, Dr. Pat O'Donnell was a chairman of the urology department at that time. Um, and then I spent about eight and a half there. Then I moved to Cincinnati back in 2011. That was a really great uh, move for me. I uh, led the uh, female reconstruction program. I started that program and I had the opportunity to work with um, Stellar colleagues like Dr. Mickey Karam, who uh, runs a fellowship program in, in Cincinnati. And um, you know, education is really part of what I do. So I had the privilege to be a faculty member for two FMRS programs in town. And I also train neuro, um, uh, immunoneurology fellows and uh, uh, physical medicine rehab residents in addition to urology residents. So that's where I am. That's so wonderful. Tell tell us a little bit about what it was like going to medical school in Egypt. How is it different from here? Well, it's a different structure, uh, different method of training for sure. Um, at my time, we used to have uh, 340 uh, colleagues in my class. It's a six-year med school. Uh, the first three years are 
primarily basic science and uh, anatomy and physiology, et cetera. And the second three years are clinical. That is followed by a year of internship, regardless of what the residency direction is. Now, the way your residency works, it's based on the cumulative score of the mid-school. Nothing to do, we don't have the equivalent of USMLE uh, test here. We uh, base our residency ranking based on um, the cumulative score at the mid-school. The urology training program is three years. It's not five years. Uh, we don't have the general surgery year. Uh, we replace it with the intern year where we uh, have rotation in different surgical departments. That's, that's in a nutshell. That's cool. Do you think, I mean, now that we're getting rid of step one USMLE scoring, mm. I mean, we don't have necessarily a cumulative score, but do you think that's better for evaluating students for residency programs? Uh, I mean, to be honest, I don't, I don't believe the score is to be the primary uh, way to um, rank or choose our candidates. You, you know, you understand when sometimes we go into an exam at about time and don't score well, although we have some other um, you know, uh, good credentials. So scoring is just an objective way to get the candidates in because we didn't have much objective measures. And that's why really it seems like we tend to lean on the score uh, too much. Uh, I do value the, you know, uh, the uh, research uh, background or interest. I do value the, um, what they refer to as an early career goals, like the mid school, uh, early on in the mid school, uh, time they are knowing where they're heading. That also gives me a good impression on the candidate. And I do value the personal uh, personality of the candidate or the, the way they approach the interview. So I, I really equally allow all these measures to take an effect on my decision when I pick a candidate. That's great. And you, you said you did two years of basic science research. Do you still do some basic science research at all? Uh, so now at the Department of Surgery, we do have a research lab that um, me and my colleague, Dr. Courtney Plattner, and uh, in collaboration with the Division of Research at the Department of Surgery, uh, we in started working on some work on sphingosines uh, in patients. And sounds like sphingosine is, has a lot to do with uh, the um, local immune response. Uh, so we thought to test that in women who have uh, recurrent tract infections and see if those women who don't have other known risk factors for recurrent UTIs, if they actually have some deficiency in, in, the, in the sphingosine level. Our prelim data shows some difference in the uh, level of sphingosine, so that's a promising finding. We still um, are working on optimizing the way of measurement and uh, expanding our samples to have forearms, you know, control, um, uh, elderly control, elderly recurrent TTIs, younger control and younger recurrent TTIs in order to rule out other confounders. That's fantastic. That's so exciting. Yeah. Um, so tell me, how do you have advice for people, young faculty who want to continue their interest in basic science or, or continue a lab? Because that can obviously be challenging to be a true surgeon scientist today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, interest should be should come really first. Having an inspiring mentor that helps tremendously. Uh, we all love surgery. We all love to... Um, interact with our patients and treat our patients. But if you think about it, the knowledge comes from basic science. 
I mean, almost all what we know now is really comes from the basic science uh, with with exceptions, with few exceptions. So really to be a contributor to the root of science, in this case would be basic science, I think that's a, a very appreciated, um, should be appreciated work. Um, uh, basic scientists are behind the scene. They what we see out of their work is after many attempts with failures. So it's different from clinical science when we have some prediction of the outcome and based on this, we design our study and we've been lucky to be able to report both the negative and the positives. The basic scientists don't have this privilege, so they really work hard to get this you know, science that we enjoy today um, out into publications. Yeah, definitely. It's very, very important work and lots of dedication goes into it. So thank you for that. So tell me what it's meant for you to be a SUFU member. I mean, you've been a SUFU member for a long time now. Definitely. Um, It's been 11 years. And um, SUFU to me is, uh, you know, first of all, it's a family. And literally, it's a family, knowing that we all emerged from four roots, basically. Dr. Raz, Dr. Ween, Dr. Maguire, Dr. Webster. So this whole community is actually merged back to the, these roots. Uh, so that gives a sense of a family um, or, or a, a community, um, an opportunity to, uh, to network with our colleagues, our mentors, and our protégés. SUFU to me is also an opportunity to serve and to advance my career. Um, I have the um, ability to um, stay up to date, either from listening to the lectures, interacting with my colleagues, um, or you know, bringing my cases to kind of for discussions. and And it's very well structured program that, in in a relative short period of time, they actually doing a a wonderful job covering most of what we need to know every year. Um, and, and, and just to let you know, I mean, over the last 11 years, I didn't miss a single SUFO meeting. That's and incredible. I remember, yes. <laughs> and I remember back when I was a fellow, my second year of fellowship, when I started being a member of SUFO, I was just the front row every day, just seeing what I have learned in my clinical practice. And now I'm seeing... Um, you know, adding or filling the gaps on my knowledge of what I see in the clinic every day. So it's really um, very attractive to me to kind of, you know, get that exposure to what people have to say. And then eventually became a habit and I enjoy every year going to SUFO. So, What do you think is the best part or what are some of the best attributes of the meeting? I think the scientific program, that's one. And then also the up the gate is open for all opportunities. Anybody who's able and willing to serve is welcomed. Uh, that you didn't see that in all societies and other organizations. So these are the two really most that I like about the so concise program, well structured, covering all the defects that we think of that we need to know every year. Uh, very specialized, very focused, very talented speakers, and then the opportunity is available to anyone who wanted to contribute and is able to bring something to the table. Yeah, I agree. I think Sufu is very welcoming, which is was really wonderful. Yeah. So currently you're uh, chief of your division. So congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment. Um, how do you feel about the current representation of FPMRS in kind of advanced leadership position? Well, 
That's a good question, Rina. Um, I think there is room for improvement, and this is a fact. So looking at the leadership of urology departments and division across the nation, uh, it's about the majority, um, about 70% of uh, departments and divisions uh, across the nation are actually led by urology, uh, with the smaller portion left for other subspecialties, including FMRS. And I would imagine, I don't have the solid data, but I would imagine FMRS would be the least representation, unfortunately. Now, I think part of it is the, uh, the fact that we wouldn't have many of us in the urology field, and I look forward to see more. And um, also part of it is, is the fact that we get clinically busy from the get-go. We manage a diverse group of patients that make us just go get into it. And really, we don't um, we fail or not able to dedicate uh, or don't have much time to dedicate for um, extra clinical activities, including leadership. Um, in addition, if you look at the most of the programs, either they have one or none faculty uh, FMRS. So if you're the only one in the program taking the lead in the clinical work and advancing your academic career, then probably you'll be tied up um, to the point that you won't have time for leadership. That probably that's my um, right. analysis. <laughs> right. So do you have any suggestions on ways that we can work to improve that as a, as a group? Uh, I think so. So one thing is obviously to um, try to work in how can we expand our volume as, a, as FMRS providers. Um, we how to improve opportunities for granting because when you um, come into a chairman or a chief uh, position, one of the factors looked at is you know the how how much opportunity for granting are you bringing grants are you bringing to the field or to the to the table um, learning the leadership skills early on it could even be part of the FPMRS fellowship training to maybe have a course or two on leadership skills and at least to build the interest the interest in the in the in the candidates or the or the fellows. Um, so I think these are the possible ways to get us into the leadership role in, in urology. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. How do you think that we can work together to, you know, gain more funding opportunities or, you know, help each other get better at grant writing or, or going for those sort of opportunities so we can be more successful? So I think we have to be more innovative. Um, we should look into what areas that we have a window of opportunity to advance research. Again, basic research is one of the areas that has a um, better chance for grant funding, uh, especially if it hits something of public interest or uh, safety concerns uh, or, you know, COVID-19, <laughs> just joking. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, we need to hit the target set where there is some deficiency and there is room for uh, innovation and uh, there is need. Um, and I think basic science is one of the areas that we can focus on. Yes, that's that's wonderful. So, you know, we've talked about a lot of things today. What What is your hope for the future of our field and the future of SUFU? So for the future of SUFU, I would love to see our organization grows um, and get bigger and better. I would love to see international presence for SUFU. I would love to see more comers from out of you know, from across the border to, um, you know, 
to attend the program because it's very, very strong, solid program. Uh, I would like to see more uh, FPMRS programs that are accredited. We really have very few relative to how much we can offer as uh, as as trainers, um, and therefore we be able to see more fellows and more graduates and more presence in different departments and divisions, and that will open the 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 venues for uh, leadership, for more research, for more clinical work, and uh, for more presence in the on the urology map nationwide. Uh, I would like to see um, our residents uh, and med students even to have future interest to seek an FMRS uh, future career. It's interesting if you ask the urology residency candidates about what they want to do in the future or get a fellowship or so more than half want to go to private practice and then the rest will go to either oncology fellowship or pediatric fellowship. Very small number that really ahead of ahead of, of time they decided to do FMRS. But even more important are the residents toward the end of their residency years. Uh, you know, we can do a better job in making our residents more interested in seeking FMRS fellowship programs. And I think it goes hands in hands uh, together with expanding our accredited programs uh, nationwide. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with all those uh, sentiments. I think we can always try to foster interest in our wonderful subspecialty because it is really so exciting and so diverse and really rewarding. Um, Definitely. So for anyone who's listening and considering FPMRS, we, we really love our jobs. Yeah, definitely, and we really see the need out there. I mean, the, all of us are busy um, clinically, and uh, patients appreciate the subspecialization, and especially in this field, uh, there's lack of um, lack of understanding among us, many urologists of what we do, and it, because it's a, it's a tough field, it's uh, it's difficult to grasp, and there are a lot of concepts that needs some you know special training. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you so much for your time. Do you have anything else you'd like to tell SUFU members today? Share with them? Well, I wanted to share the fact that I am privileged to be part of this community. And uh, I look forward to the next year meeting. I hope the COVID-19 will not decide otherwise. <laughs> uh, luckily, we, we, we can uh, we'll be able to uh, hold the last meeting, which was wonderful. But I'm privileged and uh, fortunate to be part of this community. And I look forward to, uh, again, to meeting my colleagues and uh, previous mentors and mentees uh, at this next meeting. Wonderful. Well, I look forward to meeting you in person too. So yes, hopefully next yes. year. I look forward to it. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Sufu Podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter with our handle at SuFuOrg, where we'll provide real-time updates of our next podcast episode launch. And be sure to check us out on our website, www.sufuorg.com.